welcome to the Gossier Cruel Summer recap. Your favorite bonus episode where we recap Cruel Summer, the teen drama on Freeform. Grace is here with me. As always, I'm here. Grace, why don't you give us a rundown of episode seven or the summary? Episode seven is called Happy Birthday, Kate Wallace. And as listeners will know, I was quite excited to see that title because I have and always will be a Kate Stan. And I'm sure some of you are joining me over here now in Kate Stan land. So here's what happened in Happy Birthday, Kate Wallace. Kate struggles with the family secret she's been holding on to. Joy tries to convince Kate to go on the Marsha Bailey show. Mallory has a birthday surprise. We started reading the recaps on IMDb because they're shorter and more concise. (laughs) Thank you, IMDb. Wikipedia, you could never. Nerds can't just write one sentence. Okay, so first thing we have to talk about. Since Kate's birthday is on the show, we know her birthday, we know her sign. She's a Virgo. Virgo. I had it written down. Second thing I wrote down after I've been spelling Kate's last name wrong. Oh, like you've been spelling it like Wallace Shawn. Yeah. That makes sense. Again, I famously have the captions on, so I don't misspell. You knew this whole time. I did know this whole time. Being an asshole, writing in my notes, extra letters. Like an idiot. I also thought it was funny because she's a Virgo, we would probably be friends. Can I ask you, are you more team Kate after this episode than you have been? No, because I think she is at the heart of it. She is obnoxious. They're both obnoxious, but in a real life situation, I think Kate would annoy me more than Jeanette. Jeanette would be like, you're a nerd. I can handle a nerd. Kate's like, she's got that vapid popular girl shit. And now she's pretending to have morals. I think you have it totally opposite because I think hanging out with Kate, I mean, post kidnapping more than pre kidnapping. (laughs) Post kidnapping, I'd definitely be friends with her. (laughs) Well, here's the thing. I think that in every single year, Jeanette, blames someone else for her problems. Ooh. And I think that's the type of friend you don't want to have. Jeanette never takes responsibility for her own shit. Whether she saw Kate or not, she would much rather blame Kate for her problems than accept the fact that maybe her dad hates her because she's a bitch. Okay. Not to take Greg's side. I think they both have that problem. This is something I noticed and something I find myself like while I'm watching it be like, they really captured teenagers. Yeah, I do think they both have that problem, but I think the difference is that Kate's trying to work through it. And Kate was legitimately like sexually abused. <laughs> yeah, she definitely had some real issues. Like, I'm sorry, Jeanette, being unpopular is not the like trauma you think it is. But the integrity of her reputation that also she lost, which that's pretty fucked. And we still don't have the absolute truth on. That's true. Here's another thing. Here's what I do want to talk about off the top before we get really into the recap. So we saw a lot more about Annabelle in this episode, which which still was like nothing. I saw an interesting Annabelle theory in Teen Vogue, which I don't think is true, but I think it's interesting. Here's the other thing. I think if it was true. They probably wouldn't be able to publish it. Well, it's like a theory that someone posted on Reddit or something. So they published okay. it like okay. this yeah, is a, yeah. this is a fan theory. You definitely know it's not true because you're like, they wouldn't have let that publish. I don't know, because that's what the creators of Gossip Girl said that they had picked out who Gossip Girl was going to be. And then the fans guessed and it got like published everywhere that it was like a popular fan theory. So then they had to change it. Yeah, that's what I mean. They're like, oh, like- fuck, everyone thinks it's going to be Eric. <laughs> and it is or Nate or whoever they picked. I don't remember. 
not to spoil Gossip Girl for you fans out there, but the theory that I saw is that Annabelle is like a personality that Kate created to protect herself from trauma and that she still clicks into from time to time. And that's why her memory is spotty. I just don't think that makes sense. Really? I think that's a pretty good guess. They broke down spots like after she came back where she kind of clicked into Annabelle and got like more aggressive and strong against people. Like when she's yelling at her family. I I guess I don't think that's a bad guess. I just think, I don't think she would block that out the same way. The mirrors kind of support that theory. Oh boy. Oh, you know, I think I saw part of that theory because someone used the mirrors as like an example. That's possible. Well, of like that Merton would then be like, oh, this is Annabelle. And he like points her to her reflection or something. Okay, first off, I don't think he'd be in on her other personality because that would conflict with most things I know about multiple personalities. Mm -hmm. Second off, if they were to go that route, that is kind of a very hard route for a writer because then you're going to have to unpack multiple personalities. I would believe that in a Riverdale scenario. I think this show is definitely trying to be more woke than that they don't want to fall into that trap because that's the problem that happened with pretty little liars is that a is the villain on pretty little liars there was a there were a couple a's over the course of the series (laughs) one of the big a's was revealed to be spoiler alert for pretty little liars i'm sorry i'm not going to stop swearing pretty little liars (laughs) was cc drake who they didn't know at the time was originally charles and so was a notably trans character But then it just made this whole thing of like, oh, she's trans. So she's obsessed with this girl. And so she's a villain. So they really fell into a lot of controversy with that. Yeah. And Pretty Little Liars obviously didn't have the um, grace to deal with it. And I think this show is notably trying to avoid something like that. Agreed. So that's why I don't think that's a correct Annabelle theory. I wouldn't completely rule it out because I do feel like it is an edgy theme showing up in shows recently, like doom patrol but that was also written in to that character like 50 years ago i'm excited to watch and see who annabelle actually is but i hope it is something more thoughtful than oh it's a personality i agree and i'm not an expert but my understanding of multiple personalities stems from a pretty young age we're talking about kate wallace who even though yes she is a minor and a child She's still pretty well developed. I don't know if what the statistics are for developing a personality at 16 that would lead mm. to some other greater coinciding mental problems like bi- being bipolar. I don't know what her medical records are. See, it's already yeah. too much to unpack. So. There's just too much to get involved in that a show like this, it just, yeah. they would fall into too many traps. They're not going to And I that. think we want something a little cleaner. Mm-hmm. How about the opening The episode opens 1993 and it's Kate's birthday and she tells herself happy birthday while looking at the bunny she got from Mr. Harris. The thing I liked about that is that I felt like it was already telling us how this episode was going to end. We've theorized for a while that Kate went with Martin willingly. Yes. At first. Yes. I mean, that was kind of our big theory that got confirmed. Thank you, everyone. We're geniuses. We're very smart. Thank you. I know. I had a lot of people be like, oh, my God. And I was like, do you not listen to this podcast? I know. 
I have a couple questions for you about the 90s. Let's do some questions. So again, you were conscious in the 90s in a way that I wasn't. Thanks. Yeah, definitely. So I have a couple 90s questions for you. Number one, were promise rings like really big in the 90s? Oh my God. Yes. Promise ring was such a beautiful detail. Okay. Purity rings were really big when I was in middle school because of the Jonas Brothers. So I kind of thought that was editorialized of making them feel more important, but that is good to know. I think my brother gave a promise ring to his now wife. They're still married. They have two kids. Good. Here's my other 90s questions for you. I guess I just have one, really. Were people really into checking their emails? No, this is so funny because I even noted this and I was like, checking their emails for what? And at one point I wrote Nigerian Prince, but I was like, oh, I think that's a later one. It's like checking your email for the Trojan horse virus. Remember that virus? No, I don't. I famously- Trojan horse virus was like an early virus in the early email days that was like, you open up this email and all these viruses were inside of it. And that's why it was called the Trojan horse. Virus. That makes sense. Yeah. Because well, at one point Ash is like, I'm going to go check my email. And then like 15 minutes later, Derek Jeanette's brother is also like, can I check my email? I'm like, was everyone really into checking their emails in the nineties? That's so funny too, because like in the nineties, literally like no one was using emails except for nerds. You didn't have automated bills. You didn't have, you didn't even have spam the way you have spam now. Yeah. So what's to check in your email? What's to check your email means like the guy you were talking to on AOL might've sent you an email because you weren't around. And even that email is going to be like, hey, what's up? That is so funny. Cause that's something I noticed in the episode. I did too. I definitely made a note about it. I also liked kind of going back on the promise ring. Did you notice how the promise ring was the same color as her ring pop? Oh boy, did I? I wrote a note that says ring becomes ring pop. A new kind of promise ring with, okay. What do you think about Mallory and Kate as a couple? And do you think that is an appropriate assessment? I first was a little skeptical and then I got on the internet and I was like, okay, Other people are feeling these vibes. Obviously, there was some sexual tension and we didn't see it play out. I totally thought they were going to kiss at the roller rink. Right? Because our faces were super close and they did the thing with the camera. Like if it was just a friendship, you wouldn't do the kind of cuts they were doing. I guess that. Yeah. So it was intentional. I could see that becoming a thing. And again, this is where this show could fall into traps no matter how they play this. Because we see a lot with Kate's trauma that I think that is inevitably going to play into any relationship she gets into, whether it's with a man or a woman. And I think that might be a scary thing for Kate to deal with where she thinks, well, if I date a girl, I'm not going to have PTSD. And she will. And I just yeah. don't know if we have the time in the show to deal with that. So I'm, I think it's probably going to be like something that doesn't really go anywhere this season, or if it does, it goes very low stakes places. Oh, we could do a season two because yeah. it is episode seven. So it is yeah. kind of like how much, how much of a relationship can we wedge in here with the heightening of everything else going on? Yeah. Although in the sneak peek, I don't know if you did this, but I did this as soon as the episode was over. I was like, gotta see what's going on next week. Yeah. I saw, well, I saw the sneak peek on the credits because I watched live. Because I was on the app, they try to queue up the next show. So I thought yeah. they weren't going to do it. Anyways, so in the sneak peek, there was just the smallest blip 
of our girl Jeanette, or maybe my girl, because you hate her so much. Jeanette talking to Jamie on a car. Did you see that? What haircut did she have? What year? 95. I believe that they're going to talk to each other. And it looked friendly. And it seems, I mean, I think the Jeanette and Jamie thing, I mean, I think this episode also gave us a lot more about Jamie. That, yes, like Jamie and Kate's relationship was not like great. But it was like a perfect high school relationship. Yes. Everything about it, I was like, yes, these are people. I, I didn't go to high school in the 90s. I may remember the 90s a little bit, but was not in high school then. But I, I do remember what kids were like in high school. And this was the high school relationship we are all familiar with, for sure. Well, I think this goes to what we talked about last week, too, about, you know, the difference between Kate's mom and Jeanette's mom of that Kate's mom always wanted to be a Texas housewife. And we see this with Jamie, too, because Jamie even has a scene when he's drunk where he's basically like, I want to be exactly like your family, which obviously Kate doesn't want to be. But I think Kate didn't quite have. I mean, this is why she was, again, like the perfect victim for Martin is she was so she was like so impressionable at a time when Martin happened to be there because she knew that she didn't want the life that Jamie was setting up for her, but she did not see another option with her mom. And then her yeah. the whole world was falling apart because she saw that her mom's marriage was falling apart. And that was the ideal that she was supposed to have. That was the ideal that she was working toward. And that wasn't even working. Yeah, that was her awakening. It was very sad to see that relationship of like, Jamie and Kate were kind of just like, this is exactly the relationship that I should be in. And I guess that's also something maybe that we'll see more with Jeanette because at least in 1993, and we don't really know how her life has changed since then, but in 1993, that was the life Jeanette wanted. Jeanette wanted to be the perfect Texas girl. That was exactly what she was looking for, except for her penchant for stealing. I don't know if she wanted to be the perfect Texas girl. I guess she was just idealizing Kate's life and what Kate represented. Yeah, she wanted to be the popular. I have I'm cool because she had friends, but she wanted to feel cool. And I think that pressure definitely came from her mother and her mother admitted that in her episode where Cindy was putting the pressure of wanting her daughter to blossom. And in Jeanette's eyes, that meant becoming someone like Kate who looked sexual and blonde and beautiful and Mm -hmm. had the boyfriend like Jamie could be any guy, but you have to have like this stud boyfriend. And because Kate picked Jamie, then in Jeanette's mind, that's what she fetishized. Yeah. Jamie was admirable because of Kate, not because it was Jamie. Yeah, exactly. I also liked this weird relationship between food I thought that was so sad and interesting of that she couldn't eat after she came back because that's how Martin controlled her, which we can assume as the audience is that he drugged her. Not just through drugs, but we saw at the beginning of the episode and the end of the episode, that was his time that he used the sort of brainwasher. Like I'm giving you food. It was like Pavlov's experiment. Like I'm taking care of you. And at the same time, while I'm giving you this food, I'm giving you information. So when it opened, he was saying, like, you know, everybody's given up looking for you. And in fact, Jamie's dating Jeanette. So you might as well just give up on that guy. And then at Mm -hmm. the end, when we see him feeding her again, 
in that moment, he was saying stuff to her like, you have to respect me because I feed you real food and I cook all this food for you. And he's mm-hmm. like, I give you clothes like you. You're not exactly living like a hostage here. Yes. Even so, though she is a hostage. It wasn't just being drugged, which we did see in another episode or alluded to in another episode. But it was also his time to give her some of the brainwashing stuff, if that makes sense. I also loved to see Ash kind of making her way in with Kate and Mallory. And I think it also colors Mallory and Kate's friendship that the food aspect of it, that Mallory is basically like, if you get high, you'll be able to eat. And I think that kind of help no one was willing to give to Kate at that time. So that made their friendship just so much deeper. What do you think of Ash after watching her interaction with Kate on her birthday? Because prior to this, I felt like Ash was just trying to get more information about the situation because obviously it affects her own father. And I felt differently watching the scenes of this episode. I think Ash definitely has a level of guilt for not being nice to Kate pre-kidnapping. And I think everything that she's doing is to make up for that guilt she feels. Yeah. And I think there's good that can come from that. I don't think it's a bad thing, but I do think a lot of her actions toward Kate are selfish because I think she wants to make herself feel better about being a good person. And the thing is, it's not like she committed this awful crime by being mean to her stepsister because she was close to her stepmom who she didn't like. Like, I get why Ash was mean to her, but I do think at this point, a lot of Ash's actions toward Kate seem self-serving with positive effects. And that's, I mean, okay, because if it has positive effects, then it's fine that it's self-serving. Well, I think prior to this, it felt like, oh, I'm going to Nancy Drew this situation. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to be an online persona and get her to open up to me. After this episode, I feel like that's not the case. I feel like Ash was like, I don't know if she's lying or telling the truth. And I would like to know. And especially because we saw the stepdad interaction, it felt more authentic of Ash's interest. Like, yeah, like my dad is your dad. And I took that for granted and I wasn't an asshole. And so I don't think her intent to Nancy Drew is to find what's right or wrong. But Mm -hmm. I think it is more like, uh, how can I help? I do think her original intention was probably to Nancy Drew it. And then she felt bad because she realized that there was actually deep trauma there. And even if Kate is lying about Jeanette, I don't think she's doing it actively or maliciously. Yeah. If Kate is lying, it is trauma induced and based in just negative feelings that she hasn't dealt with. Well, in she has said that she has felt like a liar. So there's just like mm-hmm. so many ways to read into that in the show. I mean, Kate, obviously, all she really feels like she can trust is her own perception. And she learns throughout the course of the show that maybe her perception has been warped. Yeah. And I think that's hard for her to deal with. And that's something she's reckoning with. And so I think Ash originally was like, I need to find out what she actually knows. And then I think Ash pretty quickly was like, oh, I'm fucked up. Yeah, this is fucked up. And I do think that at this point, Ash's intention is to make up for the hurt she caused. But I don't, I think it's more important to her that she redeem herself as a person, as a good person, 
rather than helping Kate. Yeah, I think helping I Kate's saying. a stepping stone yeah. to that. And that's not a bad thing. It's like you're doing a good thing. But so in that the whole Ash part of the plot line, we also have Derek, who you mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. He pulls the internet conversation, which was so funny to see Twitter be like, I read what it said and I I typed out as much as I could read in the screenshot. And everything said in the conversation, of course, is like no new information. Yeah. But Derek prints off the online chat between Ash under the pseudonym or the um, secret identity talking to Kate after he fucked Ash. So him and Ash fuck. She goes to the shower or bathroom and he's, and he's like, like, can I check my email? Because everyone's obsessed with checking their email and prints it off. And I immediately felt like sick. Like that felt dirty. It, I mean, and this is the thing I'm anti Jeanette. Obviously I saw a lot of people turning to team Kate. I welcome you all with open arms because, and not to cut to the end of the episode, but what is revealed in this transcript revealed to Jeanette is that Kate went to Martin's willingly is what, you know, she gets out of it. And the quote at the end of the episode is Jeanette saying, this changes everything. And I was very um, encouraged to see that everyone on Twitter was in agreement with me when I say, no, it fucking doesn't. But I think this is the trick of good writing. We all think Jeanette saying this changes everything is because she went willingly. I also think that there's probably more information in that internet conversation than we know. No, I think because in the preview for next week, Jeanette went to her lawyer and basically they talk about how this paints Kate as kind of a liar, but specifically about her saying she went willingly. I think that's the real red herring Jeanette thinks she found. Also in Texas in 95, that would hold up in court. Oh, I agree. And that's, you know, that's just something that plays in the 90s that doesn't play today. Yes. But I... I'm happy to welcome you all to Team Kate after Jeanette completely invalidated Kate's experience being groomed and sexually assaulted because Jeanette has been trash, stays trash. Grace is wearing I Love Kate Wall's T-shirt and a hat and a matching scarf. I don't even know if she needed that scarf herself. It's very bizarre. You're wearing Yeah, I know. That. I'm very warm. <laughs> you know, it's a conversation that we in 2021 have differently than they had in 1995. Yes, for sure that she was groomed from the second he met her. And so her going willingly wasn't willing. It was manipulated. And the ideology is different. Mm -hmm. Like people really would view that as she was asking for it. Yeah. This is kind of the heart of the episode is this kind of moment and what leads up to it. Because we had heard episodes ago, Kate had referred to something her mom said to her right before she got kidnapped and whatever she said in that episode, it was like kind of mean. And that was misleading too. Well, it was misleading because that was at the end of episode two, we thought that Kate got kidnapped. So this show is so full of so many fucking tricks and turns and twists. It does it all. And one of them was we all thought, or I don't know if we all thought, but I feel like you and I probably definitely thought. Yeah, we thought. She was taken at the end of episode two. And in episode three, they kind of encouraged it. Yes. And one of the future conversations she has with her mother is like, you remember what you said to me right before I left? And how did that turn out? And then it showed a clip to her with Martin Harris. So we were assuming 
in that moment that that was the last moment, like, oh, we're being cued and told as an audience, where in reality, we were then shown an event that would lead up to explain the actual moment right before she left. And we saw that in this episode. It was pretty similar to what happened in episode two. The difference is Kate got slapped and also was used as a negotiating pawn between the parents. I mean, Kate's mom was a lot meaner in this episode than she was in episode two. Joy was not a joy. Yes. That first of all, I mean, Kate was very worried about the affair. She confronted her mom about it, which obviously as an adult, you see that and you're like, there's no way that's going to work. But she confronted her mom about it. Her stepdad came in. They had an argument. Her mom slapped her. And where it was really hurtful was that when Kate was after she had been slapped, she went up and she packed a bag and her mom said to her, you're just like me when I was your age. You're naive and simple and boring. Go ahead and run away. I can predict your every move. And when you get over it, you'll come home. And then, you know, later we see Kate basically telling her mom that she had set her up to be trusting to be gullible like to be trusting and gullible and kind of go with what people told her and that is exactly what he exploited to get her to come straight to him and what sparked that was the reveal that joy was the one putting the liar sign up did you see that coming you know thinking back on it of course it makes perfect sense because joy was the one who found the letter and immediately blamed Mallory. And she had publicly hated Mallory the whole time, probably because she thinks that Mallory is a lesbian turning her daughter into a lesbian. <laughs> maybe that's true. Maybe that's not. But well, once she found the jam paper in the printer, I said, oh, it says liar. It was her mom. And once that's revealed, it does make absolutely perfect sense. But I did not predict it. I felt like it was a bit of um, you were asking for a lot here. Like, I think in a real world scenario, I don't think a mother would go that far. That's my take. Well, this mother went far enough in other ways, and she needed Kate on her side. The fastest way to get someone on your side is to get them turning against someone you hate. Get a common enemy. Yes. And, and if that- she can make Mallory the common enemy, it's a win-win. It's a foolish plan, but the plan makes sense for this character. Well, and she made it sound like it wasn't against Mallory. It was, let's create a villain so that you will worry more about this court case because when I talk to you about it, you don't take me seriously because you hate me. Right. But if you think yeah. someone's out to get you, you get shit done. And she said, like, you've been like that your whole life. And it's like, this bitch has never had an enemy in her whole fucking life. What the yeah. hell are you talking about? Her enemy is Jeanette Turner. She doesn't her need enemy an enemy. has always been her mother. Well, this is Joy's foolishness because I do think you're right that she says her intention was to get a common enemy to help her motivate the court case. I do think that was her intention. But Joy is so controlling that she saw the opportunity to use this to also throw Mallory under the bus and she couldn't let it pass her by. She tried to do too much with one move. Yeah. Yeah. That was like, I want the lesbian away from my daughter and I want my daughter to get back to focusing me losing my money. And she's like, I can do that all with one piece of paper. You can't, Joy. So this kind of also leads us into the Marsha Bailey show debacle, which we haven't seen that interview, I don't think. 
because we saw a TV interview, but I don't think that was the Masha Bailey show. I don't think so either. And I at first thought we were doing a weird time jump thing. Me too. And then the more thought about it. Well, they said something that made me think because in 1995, Kate said something about like, you making me do that interview is what got us in this mess. So I think whatever oh. she said on the Marsha Bailey show is what the grounds are for defamation, which is, I think, another thing that plays because this show is set in the 90s that wouldn't play if it was set in like current day. Yeah. Right now, if someone got kidnapped and immediately did an interview, no lawyer would let them do that. No, no one would let you do that at all, which is why the first interview we saw was insane. Yeah. I mean, and I just think that would not play in 2020 if it was set in the present day because everyone would be like no one would let her do that interview but now they're encouraging her to but that plays in the 90s yeah because you don't know how things are going to get edited then you have a different view well in 94 too we haven't had a counter sue and it's also confusing because we see these flashbacks of her in captivity Mm -hmm. and then you're like well that didn't happen (laughs) on this date so it's like how much liberty are the writers taking with that? And I guess I know we're doing flashbacks, but I feel like it it could be a little more clear that like the fact that they do it in a sort of ambiguous way makes you wonder how else they could have been manipulating time since we've been watching this. That's a great point. And also they notably blur Martin Harris's face more when he's in the basement. Oh yeah, or like cut it out. Like weird. Yeah. Angles. And so there are some people saying like, oh, maybe it's not Martin Harris. First of all, it is. You're falling in. Yeah. Like you think he's cute. So you're trying to forgive him. He's grooming you too, audience. <laughs> but also, this is another thing I want to talk about. They're watching the news and they talk about a girl from Widow Falls where we know. Yes. Where we know Martin Harris is from and where we know he didn't want Jeanette to know he was from. And they say there's a girl who said she had a close call with him. And Kate very quickly defends Martin Harris saying that she was just being tutored by him and it was nothing. And the girl, I want to point out, is notably unnamed. So, Annabelle? I don't think she'd be Annabelle because of the the timeline. I think that the reason they don't name that girl is because she is not... Whatever her reveal is, it's going to come later. Maybe she is Annabelle, but it's more of what she motivates and shows us about Kate. So when this girl goes and says, hey, I almost was taken too," it's very interesting that Kate's reaction is, oh, she thinks she's like me. Like Kate has some sort of ownership over being a victim. Does that make sense? I think it comes from Kate feels the need to prove she was a victim because she knows in the back of her mind that she went, quote unquote, willingly. Yeah. So I think she has this need to be like, no, I am the real victim here. I was really hurt by this because if she starts for a second to relate to someone who didn't get kidnapped, she's like, oh, then I'm a dumbass because she could get out of it and I couldn't. So I must be like weaker than her because or else I'm stupid. I must be the real victim because or else I'm a dumbass who could have saved myself. So I think it's a defense mechanism. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Because I initially was like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, we could live in a world where you're both a victim. And, mm-hmm. you know, she got out of it and you didn't, whatever. But we see a lot of these pieces of Kate waking up and looking at the bunny that she got from Martin Harris. 
of Kate talking to Martin Harris on the camping trip of when Martin Harris drives Kate home after her birthday and is like, and it's like talking to her like she's an adult. Okay, let's talk about that because that was bananas. First off, she happens to end up in Martin Harris's lawn. Where Jamie's peeing on his bushes. This is a very small thing and they would never explore it. But I know high school girls. She fucking went to that house on purpose. Like she was panicking. I think she, I think they don't explore it because it's too plotty. It'd be too much to explain. But as a teenage girl, she went to Martin Harris's house on purpose with her drunk ass boyfriend and was like, you are in my mind, the only rock I have right now. I don't think so. I think, and go with me on this. I think she ended up there on accident because a, your high school girl is a crush on an older man. The last thing you want to do is have him think of you as some immature girl who has a lame ass boyfriend. I think the reason she went there is plot wise. So she could know where his house is later to set that up. I don't think she knew where his house was before that. So that is just a plot device. I just think it's very, very interesting coincidence. I think there's a certain willing suspension of disbelief we have to have that she could have ended up on this lawn randomly because I think they were setting it up so that that's how she knows where his house is. So she goes there later because she hasn't been to his house before. So she wouldn't have been able to find it at the end of the episode if she hadn't been there before. So it's a plot device. I think she ended up there accidentally but she ended up there so that she would know where it is so that we would have justification for how she ends up there. I mean, I I understand that. And I knew that's what the show was saying, but I think in the real version of this, this scenario really happening, that was on purpose. You have a crush on an older man. You're going to bring your drunk ass boyfriend to his house. Yes. Cause I would be like, Oh, isn't this gross? I'm dating this loser. I guess. Yeah. You can kind of bond over that. I would be like, Oh my God, he's going to think I'm such an idiot child because my boyfriend's a piece of garbage. But I guess maybe I'm like, maybe he'll punch my boyfriend. Yes. I don't know. I think it was more of a plot device to make sure that we knew that Kate knew where Martin's house was. But I think your read of teenage girls is correct. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. That's all I'm looking for. But we see a lot of, I mean, we see a lot of these moments in this episode where Kate does things that you know as an audience member that she is looking back and regretting. Yeah. Like when she's in the car and he's dropping her off at her house and she like holds his hand for a second. Also, that whole scene was confusing because she says to him, I need to unload family drama and then just gets out of the car. I really thought she was going to unload it to him. Yeah, like that was the point. And I was like, wait, so she's just I'm going to tell you this epic line, this like deep feeling I'm feeling and then not explain it to you. Just peace out. Well, I think I mean, I think we're supposed to read that she wants to unload it, but she wants to unload it to her family. And she was just looking for someone to confirm. Yes. And we, and we did end up, we put it together, that. but it was just so funny in that moment to go. She's from- like, I want, I want to unload something. And she's like, okay, bye. Bye. Hold your hand. <laughs> see you later. See you in literally an hour. <laughs> Thanks for the advice. <laughs> yeah. And then we see also a scene, I think after it's after Jamie pees on Martin Harris's house and Martin Harris talks to Kate. Martin Harris goes in to his house and he has a drink. Yeah, woof. And it's clear that he is, again, fucked up in the brain. It's clear that he (laughs) like knows it's fucked up to be attracted to a 16 year old. And you can tell he's like, I don't want to kidnap her, but he just can't fucking help himself. And I think it's important that we see that again for any people who are not team Kate, the team where you should be, by the way. I'm on no one's team. That 
yes, she went to his house willingly, but clearly he was not like innocent in this situation. No, not at all. It just, yeah, it just makes, it confirms his. He's a pervert. Nefariousness. Yeah. Yeah. He's not there to like be a friendly stranger. He's there because he really does pine for children. Yes. And it would be foolish of me not to mention the fact that there was an acoustic cover of Wonderwall over the (laughs) montage of her going to her kidnapper's home. Hysterical. Today is going to be the day that they're going to throw it back to you. By now, you should have somehow realized what you gotta do. I don't believe that anybody feels the way I do about you now. Back be the wood is on the street that the fire in your heart is out. I'm sure you heard it all before, but you never really had a doubt. I don't believe that anybody feels the way I do about you now. And all the roads we have to walk are winding. And all the lights that lead us there blinding There are many things that I would like to say to you But I don't know how Because maybe oh, You're gonna be the one that saves me also play it played over the whole end of the episode so it was also playing at her skate party yes and i thought that was super funny because well the skate party i think we unpacked most of it but i had to mention immediately when they go to the skating rink i was like this is impossible because it's dead then she says that oh my god how'd you do this this place is always packed i was like okay we're on the same we're on the same wavelength. And then Mallory says I'm the assistant manager and we can close for maintenance. Come on. I mean, look, it's it's a freeform show. There's some things we just have to accept. Right, but I mean, that line was bullshit, so I refuse to accept it. Of course. I also think it's interesting to point out so I was at notably I watched this episode live last night and I went on Twitter right after to see what the teens were saying and Twitter hates Mallory. I was going to I was going to ask you, why do you think Twitter hates Mallory so hard? A lot of the justification for it is basically like they think Mallory is kind of a nefarious character of like she so quickly abandoned Jeanette and now she's going to do the same to Kate. Seems like Team Jeanette people are saying that. And I'm not quite sure why they hate her. And granted, I don't really, I don't care either way about Mallory, honestly. I feel like it's got to be homophobic. That's what I don't know, because it was a lot of, I mean, they've hated Mallory this whole time since the beginning of the show. I've looked at Twitter and they're always like, fuck Mallory. And a lot of people have theories that Mallory is Annabelle or that Mallory had something to do with her being held captive. And which I think is totally off base. But I think what they don't, like about Mallory is that she's kind of hopping from friend to friend and that they think she was really mean to Jeanette 
And so eventually she'll turn on Kate. First of all, I don't think she was mean to Jeanette. Also, we don't have the full we don't have the full story. We're like giving like these crumbs. So we don't even know what the falling out is. I do think that it's just that the actress annoys them. And you know what? She annoys me, too. But I don't really care either way about her. I find her really endearing, but I think it's because I keep thinking Kevin Smith is your dad. Well, I find her endearing because what I tend to like about Mallory is that I think she's really helping Kate. Yeah, I agree. I think she's exactly the friend Kate needed. And so. And that's why I hope they have a love story. I mean, there's pros and cons to them falling in love and there's pros and cons to them just being like best friends. And I think either way, they will have a long lasting relationship in each other's lives that will serve them both. Oh, that's so sweet the way you said that. Because as we have to remember, this is the 90s. And so they're talking about therapy in a really open way, which we're all kind of used to. But that's not easy to find in 1995, especially in Texas. I imagine I was one year old. Look, I don't know how old I was, but I do know that at that age, therapy was not a good thing. Wasn't a good thing in rural Iowa. I can't imagine it was much better in Texas. And that's the thing. So whether they hook up or they don't and whether they fall in love and it works out forever or they hook up and it falls apart, I think they will be friends for life. And I think they're better friends for each other than Jeanette was, because as we saw, Jeanette was always judgy of Mallory. Yeah. And you say what you will about Kate. Kate was never judgmental of Mallory or really of anyone. Kate was self-involved. You can say that, but she was self-involved enough that she wasn't like out here judging people for their own shit. And Jeanette was very judgy of Mallory in their friendship, which probably is what turned Mallory off. Look, I'm rooting for them. I hope their end game. I hope it works out for them. I hope we get there. I mean, I, those are the people I like the best. I like Vince. Vince is the only real one. Vince is the only real one. Vince and- is trustworthy. Uh, the only thing that brings Vince down is that he trusts Jeanette. If Vince would switch to Team Kate, he would be my favorite. Oh, shut up. Team Kate. Kate's stepdad is also a real one. He said losing you was like an earthquake. Everything else was just a speed bump. Oh, my God. I love that we saw he learned that his wife cheated on him and he forgave her. But then he said to her later in the episode, he said, if you ever imply that our daughter is not is any less of my daughter than she is yours. That is something we will not get past. And that's exactly the kind of people Kate needs in her corner. That's what everyone needs. I think there's healing that Kate and her mom are starting to do. And I think maybe someday their relationship will be a little bit better. But I think Joy has done everything she can to make that relationship irreparable. That's our cruel summer recap for the week. We only have three episodes left of this season. And I mean, maybe there'll be a season two, maybe they won't. But I'm excited to see how it wraps up from here. I kind of didn't think we would see her get kidnapped until the end. So I'm excited to see where we go. Bridget, where can everybody find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bridget underscore suck it. Where can people find you, Grace? You can find me at the Grace Piper on Twitter and Instagram. And you can find this podcast at the Gossier on Twitter and Instagram. Send us your cool summer theories. Who is Annabelle? Who for sure isn't Annabelle? Love to hear from you. Love to hear from our fans. Bye. Bye.